Great Scott the Great. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. Pelicans playing game tonight. We'll discuss that. Andrew Lopez of ESPN, who covers the Pels, will be joining me a little bit later this hour. We'll dig into it quite a bit. Um, JC Russo, excuse me, Jackie Russo the co-founder and CEO of Brand Russo, who teamed up with UL recently to start the uh, Ultra NIL program, will be joining me in a little bit to explain in detail all of that and sort of where college athletics is heading and why it's so important and why it's a win-win. Uh, Anthony Babineau, assistant coach for Rage of Cajun Baseball, will be in in the 8 o'clock hour. Weather uh, canceled last night's baseball game and impacted a lot of sports across the state. But uh, kicking off the show with me for just a few minutes is a man who deserves a statue built somewhere in Lafayette. I've told him this before, and I'm not just saying this because he's in the studio. I feel like he is a local treasure to this community. You hear him all over the place. Ian Ozan, who is about to go on a uh, long road trip covering Rage of Cajun softball. He's in studio with me this morning for a few minutes. Good morning, man. What's going on? I'm sorry. Let me turn your mic on. There, it's working. Is this thing on? Mic check. One, two. Okay. There we go. The, uh, the playing game tonight. Uh, you got two of them, but Pell Spurs, uh, I'll be there. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a, a great atmosphere. It'd be great if they could win. You know, I, I don't know if they win Friday, but tonight in front of the crowd, sort of building for the future, it'd be great if they get it, get it done. Now, they're playing a team that usually doesn't beat itself. Right. right. Um. Where are you at right now with the Pelicans in this this game tonight against the Spurs? This is going to come down to who makes the fewest mistakes. And the Spurs, you mentioned, they don't typically beat themselves. But this has been a rough year for for San Antonio. They have under-exceeded everyone's expectations, I feel like, because it's a Greg Popovich coached team. When was the last time that a healthy Coach Pop team has finished as far below 500 as this one has? I can't think of one in my lifetime, or at least in the 20-some-odd years he's been there. The Pelicans, though, if you think about it, if they go 500 during those first 12 games or the first 14, we're not talking about a play-in game. This is a team that has a talent that had the capability of making the playoffs, one of the top six seeds, if you take out those first 13, 14 games. Now, with that said, I like the Pelicans' chances at home. C.J. McCollum is hungry. This is a team that just got embarrassed by Memphis and Golden State. So they're looking to rebound and prove that, hey, we do belong. I think this is a statement game for this program, a statement game for a franchise that's looking to break out of the shadows and show, hey, we belong in the conversation too. And now that the Lakers are going through all of their mess with Frank Vogel being fired, with LeBron and company being in disarray, I think this is now time for the Pelicans to shine and show that, hey, we don't need Anthony Davis. We don't need some of these players that we relied upon to bring us to the next level. We can do it our way and we can still be successful. Well, you know, you mentioned, look, Memphis smashed them, no question. The, the Golden State game, 
I won't say embarrassed because they weren't trying to win. They nine was locked up and they didn't play any any key players. CJ played for like uh, thirty seconds and checked out, and you know they were just playing backups, basically getting rested and ready for tonight. They're one and three against San Antonio this season. It is worth noting that the preferred starting five of Ingram, CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes at the four, and of course uh, Valanciunas at the five. They haven't started in any of the games against San Antonio this year. That's going to be your starting lineup tonight. Um, it should be fun. It'll be buzzing. And it's, you know, last note on the Pels, Ian, with you, I think what's what feels different, because I, I asked this, they've had little pockets of success in the last 20 years. Brief. Right. It just hadn't been sustainable. Haven't been able to build on something. And while this is, from a win-loss record standpoint, far from their best season, the reason folks are high on it is because you mentioned the start and they're seeing what they're building, but it's it's a bunch of guys that are there saying, I want to be part of this. I want to like look at what we're building instead of the star player saying, convince me why I should stay. Right. It's it's a it's a different feel. And if you know, it should be a great experience for him tonight, but to get a win, that'd be big. Now here's here's the real reason I wanted you on. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sports Jeopardy historian. Okay. Uh, this week, LSU announced they would be erecting the first female student-athlete statue on campus, Simone Augustus, two-time player of the year, one of the greatest female basketball players ever. And good, good, good for her. It's good. I'm glad I'm glad LSU's doing it. Um, you know, when it comes to, to sports statues, if UL were going to erect a couple – and I know there's, there's, you know, you got the robe one that his former players put together and all that. But if the athletic department was going to put one up, what sport, what player or coach, like where would Ian Ozan, if somebody said, Ian, what do you think about it from UL? What would you tell him? There are a couple obvious choices here. Jake DeLome, Brandon Stoke put one at Cajun Field for them. That would be one option. At the Cajun Dome, Beryl Shipley would be another option. And they have like a, it's not they a have statue, a bust, they have a bust of him right, in the right. Cajun Dome. And speaking of statues, uh, now that picture is memorialized as an athletic complex as the Sunny Edgar Mouton Entertainment Complex. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the city or his family put a statue of the late Senator Mouton in front of the Cajun Dome just the other day. So in a way, he was the one who helped kick off the project and helped get the state funding for the Cajun Dome going. So he certainly is a worthy candidate, and it's a a good thing his statue is there. But maybe one that's less obvious is Yvette Girard. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We just named the field at Lamson Park for her. Considering what she did, building a program from the ground up with the help of her mother, making the first uniforms, signing the players and recruiting the players herself, doing, doing everything she did with little to no budget, and made the program the success that it still is today, she would, I think, be the first candidate to deserve a statue somewhere in the athletic complex, ideally at Lampson Park. But she's the one that I think, if you're going to build a statue first, let it be her. Yeah, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. And I was thinking her as well. Now, some might say, because she also spent a lot of time at LSU, but... Forget that. Look at what she did for the game of softball in the state of Louisiana. In a a parking lot. I mean, she literally built a program from nothing that by the time she left was one of the best programs in the country and sustained success ever since. Mm -hmm. And if you think about 
what you, you mentioned playing in what is now a parking lot at the time was cow pasture and along Bertrand Drive. It's now where I think the shot put area is for track and field. That was where the original field was. You think about what happened after she left and went to LSU. That's when you started seeing the money being put in the softball program and people realized, oh, we, ha- we have to pay to compete now. That's when you saw the donation for Lampson Park come in and, and the cathedral for softball in Louisiana was built. That's when you started seeing more of, more resources put into the softball program. And I think Yvette leaving was that wake-up call that we needed to treat this right and not treat it as, oh, a winning program. We needed to treat it as the high profile uh, and the symbol of excellence that it is. Yeah, um, and, you know, as Yvette Girard built it and then, you know, the Lotifs and now Coach Glasgow, but it it started with her and, as you know, Ian, calling a lot of UL softball games, especially, you know, a lot of the ones on the road. Um, you've called many games, right? When mm-hmm. Steve isn't doing it, you know – far as passion goes it's about as passionate a fan base as you're going to find it is and she helped build that lafayette and acadiana for that matter is a hotbed for softball always has been going back to the men's slow pitch uh, leagues even some of the men's fast pitch leagues back in the day softball has always been big here but if you look at what yvette was able to do to build that fan base from that from those old school softball players and fans at least the families of the players and able to recruit locally here that's one of the reasons why you see the alumni base for the softball team as big as it is and as close as it is. You go to any Ragin' Cajun home game, you will see dozens of alumni there. Every year there's a big alumni weekend where the majority of the crowd at Lampson Park are Yvette's former players and players who came after her time here. In fact, the, the color commentator uh, when Yvette's not doing the ESPN Plus broadcast is Blaze Talbot, coaching softball now at Como High School. She was Yvette's first scholarship signee back in 1981 and still to this day is invested in the program and is still there to support however she can. Going from the very first signee to the current crop of players, that's the level of devotion that you have, and Yvette was the one who started it. If you're going to put one in football, you mentioned DeLome or Stokely. I also think you know Brian Mitchell. Yeah, put a number one up there. You can't really go wrong with that. Um, there's, there's, there's a number of you know. I think former greats that have argument, but for when it comes to a statue, it's got to be in my mind something that was unprecedented, right? Like mm-hmm. just sheer greatness, and and certainly, you know, just Yvette, what she built was was unprecedented. And you can't duplicate mm-hmm. it because you can't, you can't take something from scratch again and turn it into what she turned it into. So I think she's the most obvious. Choice. You mentioned unprecedented, and it, and it clicked something in my head. And we talked about Beryl Shipley with basketball across the street at the Cajun Dome. If you're talking about unprecedented things that have, that have never been matched and may never be matched with Ragin' Cajun's athletics, Kim Parrott, you look at the number she put up, how great she was, how great she was as a professional player, both overseas and in the WNBA before her untimely death, Kim Parrott is up there as well in build the statue and build it now. Yeah. No, she's she's one of the greatest female. Uh, like, she went and played professionally before the WA was even around. And yeah. then as soon as it came around, she was on a team. She's one of the best players in the league. She won multiple championships. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, one of the shorter players and one of the best. Size didn't matter. And, uh, yeah, her untimely tragic death. But, yeah, no, Kim, that's, that's, uh, that's a great call as well for you there. Put, her, uh, put hers there with Bo Lamar's and boom, we'd be, we'd be bet, complete. The bet, Bo Lamar. There it is. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Ian Ozan 
has uh, has been our guest to kick things off. Um, this road trip, dude. Yeah, going to be fun. Going to be fun. You're going to Mobile, and then you come back for what? Uh, Mobile, we come back for about, I guess, 18 hours because we'll drive back. Half and of Easter. And then half of Easter. Then catch a plane to St. Louis, play the single game in St. Louis on Monday, go to Champaign, Illinois for the doubleheader at Illinois on Tuesday, then over to Bloomington for Indiana, which at some point there will be in uh, there will be a reference to the song Indiana Wants Me. Okay. Uh, Dean Taylor was the artist for that one. Thank he you. recently passed away. Okay. Then fly out to Boone, North Carolina, for the for the three game series in Appalachian State. Then come back here. So we'll be on the road for a week and a half and not back on land until Sunday night, April twenty fourth. Maybe close to midnight, April twenty fifth. Oof. Yeah, how does your fiance feel about all that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's uh, she's is. none too thrilled there about uh, about this long road trip, but well, it is what it is. It's part of the gig. Longest of the season and uh, super important. I mean, South Alabama top the standings. Cajun softball Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can hear all of them right here on ESPN Lafayette. Then uh, the midweek games next week on the road: Indiana, St. Louis, Illinois. I know I flip flopped in terms of the order. And then App State, who's third right now in, in conference play. And both of those schools have missed, you know, a, a number of games this year, but they're not going to be making them up. So in terms of uh, getting to the top of the standings like this, this is it for them. This is it for them. It is. And you look back at that loss at Texas State in the third and final game, that was a huge loss for Louisiana because if they win that, they would be positioning themselves to be in first place by taking two out of three against South Alabama. They have to sweep this series, and they have to win two out of three at Appalachian State. And really and truly, they need to sweep App State as well. They need back-to-back conference conference sweeps to guarantee themselves first place. What do you when you're on the road? What do you just watch reruns of Dallas on YouTube? Like, what does Ian do when he's traveling? There's part of that. Uh, <laughs> there are reruns of Dallas that, that are involved. You're but when just I'm, an old soul, you know. I love uh, it. But <laughs> when I'm on a road trip, it's and this will be true because we do the morning show across the bullpen over on the FM. I'll wake up, I'll do the morning show from the hotel room via the Comrex, do that. If there's something on TV, I'll watch it, but it's there's a lot of work that's involved. Game prep, doing the radio show. When I'm on the bus, it's a lot of music, YouTube videos, watching Dallas clips or watching uh, pro wrestling or whatever the case is. Just trying to keep myself occupied while I'm on the road. There it is. Ian, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. I know how busy you are, but uh, it's always good every now and then when we can... Cut it up, talk some sports. I know, it's nice to be back on the mothership. There it is, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Coming up next, we'll visit with J.C. Russo, brand ambassador, co-founder, and CEO of uh, Brand Russo, who teamed up with UO Athletics recently to form the new NIL program, Ultra. And then Andrew Lopez of ESPN, who covers the Pelicans, will be joining me. Talk about tonight's game and the outlook and the current state of the franchise. It's all coming your way. Anthony Babineau in the 8 o'clock hour in studio. It's the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know. Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app.
into the great scott show on a wednesday morning andrew lopez of espn covering the pelicans will join me in a little bit to preview tonight's play-in game rage occasion assistant baseball coach anthony babineau will be in studio at eight and uh joining me now is jackie russo she is the ceo uh and co-founder of brand russo who has teamed up with UL Athletics to launch the uh, Ultra uh, brand management program. We're going to talk to her about that. Good morning, Jackie. How are you today? Good morning, Scott. I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I, I, I'm obliged to ask you a question. You may The answer is okay if it's I don't have one. But for every first-time guest, we ask them, what's your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? Ooh, man. I, that's almost a trick question because there's so many good ones. Uh, I actually just watched their documentary on Netflix or HBO. On Apple, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great. I, I, I couldn't even believe. I, I mean, I remember them, you know, because we kind of came up at the same time. But they were unbelievably talented. Really, I mean, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, for a good reason. So you're just gonna you're just gonna roll with like a bunch of them. You can't pick one. It's like it's, I'm going with a bunch of them. Okay, yeah. a bunch of them. She's not. She's not down for Sophie's choice this morning. Uh, no, I respect it, uh, Jackie Russo, our guest. <laughs> you know, when this when this got announced last week um, that UL was launching Ultra, which was uh, a name, image, and likeness education program, it felt it just it felt right. It felt like it was only a matter of time. This this process is evolving, right? And there are so many questions that right. I get asked, and I and I'm like, look, I. We're in the early stages, in the infancy stages of this. Um, so what what is it about Ultra, and, and how are you guys at Brand Russo um, putting this together? I guess just kind of start with the backstory of how it came to be and, and, and the mission overall. Sure. I, I think, you know, credit goes to Dr. Maggard, uh, Troy Wingarder, and the university because they did their due diligence. They spent the first six months watching what every other school was doing, the mistakes they were making. And I think they learned a lot from that experience. And then when they reached out, you know, we were the logical choice because we're the perfect blend of both worlds. Being from here, um, then moving to Los Angeles and working for Creative Artists Agency, which, you know, is the largest sports agency in the world after college. It was my first job at a USL. And uh, then coming back home and starting a branding agency 21 years ago, you see how those pieces align quite nicely. So when they reached out, they said, you know, we want um, a great program. We want a P5 level program. What's that look like? And I said, I don't know. So I went out and did my due diligence and did my research and talked to other schools and saw the programs that the best schools in the country with really big budgets were putting together and realized we had an opportunity. And that's where Ultra came from. It stands for University Lucrative Training Resources Advantage. The idea being we're going to pair subject matter experts with our 400-plus student-athletes to make sure that whatever they go pro in after college, they are better prepared for that opportunity than almost any other student-athlete in the country. So already we're giving our student-athletes an advantage they won't get at school. So transfer portal what? Then we're pairing student-athletes with local businesses throughout the Acadiana community because our student-athletes have an opportunity to bring awareness, traffic, 
sales to these local businesses, and the local businesses have a chance to support these student-athletes in a way that they haven't been able to be supported before. They can't go get bartending and waitress jobs like I did to work my way through school. Have you seen their schedules? So this gives them a chance to earn, not handout, earn some money. You know, when I ask um, them, I went team by team to meet with them and talk to them about what do they want the curriculum to be, what um, NIL opportunities they want to get, the number of student-athletes that said, we'll work for gas cards. These aren't kids looking for million-dollar opportunities. These are student-athletes looking to earn some pocket money because this is the only way they can do it. And so they can use their social media power. They can use their influence. They can use their natural wit and charm, um, and they can go out and help businesses grow. Jackie Russo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. This is the great Scott Show. Jackie, the CEO and co-founder of Brand Russo, which – Teamed up with UL Athletics starting the ULTRA program. ULTRA, an acronym for University Lucrative Training Resources Advantage. And the uh, the UL in ULTRA is uh, bold and capitalized, right, for UL. It's clever. Right. But you're talking about, I guess, paint a picture for me, Jackie. What is an ideal fit, right? Uh, here is student athlete A, exhibit A, right? Here is exhibit B, a local business. Here is why this works. I mean, you can use actual names, fake names. It doesn't matter. But give an example of why this benefits the community, the school, and the student-athlete. Sure. So let's start with the um, great resignation that has impacted all of our employment bases. You want to attract the best and the brightest coming out of the University of Louisiana to come and work for your company. What better way to do that than have student-athletes telling the story of why your company is a great place to work. So I can match you by curriculum. Um, You are in retail. Let me go find a student majoring in merchandising. Um, Let's say you are in healthcare. (laughs) Some student athletes that are getting ready to graduate in various aspects of healthcare. Aren't they amazing people to connect back with the people in their major so that you've got an in for recruitment of some of the best and brightest employees? But let's take it a step further. Let's talk about um, social media power in general. I I have a couple of student-athletes that have upwards of hundreds of thousands of followers, engaged followers on social media. Maybe you as a business owner, you don't really get social media. You're not really sure how it all works. And so now I can bring in some student-athletes that can use their social media power and following to bring new traffic into your business. But let's say you're not that kind of business. You know, you don't sell products and services. You don't need foot traffic in your front door. But you want to support student-athletes, and you appreciate the work they do to drive the economic force in this um, community. So let's pair up for some community service projects. Uh, Maybe you want to do some team building. Let me bring a team. And so the great thing is in having all these different student-athletes who have different majors, different backgrounds, different stories, let their story be your story. That's the opportunity that I think we have here. Great stuff. Jackie Russo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. So um, I I remember reading about it. Now you paint a more clear picture of exactly what it looks like. And um, it's as this thing evolves, I'm sure everyone will learn a little bit more and the student athletes will learn more. But right now, I know a lot of them get there. I mean, I I see a, a young man like a Zion Hill, right? This was months ago, right? This was before Ultra, but... Putting out a tweet like, hey, any Lafayette businesses uh, need someone to represent them? You know, I'm, 
I, I, I love right. some NIL opportunities, right? This is a young man that's represented himself great from New Iberia, been in Lafayette for a while. He's, he's from the area, right? And, and he's a great player. He's an all-Sun Belt player. He's, he's a great kid. You know, it, it seems like there are a lot of potential fits there, and that's where you guys step in to sort of train, find these great situations, and, uh, and, and help everyone out. You, you hit the nail on the head with train. So Zion Hill is personable, he's charismatic, he's awesome. But like most people, when you put a camera in front of his face, let's put some training in place to make sure he's going to make the most of that opportunity for the business that's hiring him. Um, when he's going to put out some social media posts for a business, let's make sure they're not only going to make sure he gets to stay compliant and eligible because we don't want to run afoul of any rules, but that they're going to be the most impactful version so they're going to get posted at the best day and time. We subscribe to some really expensive, can't emphasize enough, expensive software that gives us some amazing insights into social media based on industry, based on location, uh, based on target audience. So let's use the power of that software to make sure the right post is going out with the right frequency on the right platform at the right time. And so the training that's going to happen is going to make it better for everybody. Uh, then the student athlete, Zion Hill, for example, who doesn't have time to go work a job outside of school and sport, now has a chance to earn a living. Not get a handout, get a job. Jackie Russo. Uh, but if he just puts the tweet out, and so I, just one thing, because I think this is kind of yeah. important. He can post and say, hey, I'm looking for NIL opportunities. He doesn't have time to negotiate with businesses. Right. He doesn't have the time to um, do the research to know what the value is that he brings to the market. So having a third party manage that and do the matchmaking, I think is going to be invaluable to the business, the school, and the student-athlete. So much of that for you comes from your years of experience. You mentioned getting started at CAA Creative Artist Agency. They represent um, athletes, celebrities, singers, everybody, right? Everything under the under the sun. Sure. And, um, how long were you there and, and what, what lessons from all the way back when you started there? I say all the way back. I'm not trying to send you. It wasn't that long ago. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's uh, all the way back. It was a different century. Right. Things have changed is my point, right? Pre-social media, right? But, but what are sure. some of the lessons you learned working for a talent agency that still vibrate today that are still, you know what, as some things change, there are certain things that will always be the same. You know, some of the stuff is obvious. It's about hard work. It's about clear communication. It's about ethics. It's about doing the right thing at the right time, having integrity. It's the same values that our athletic department spouts and lives by. Um, the biggest things that we built our agency on, based on the experience that I had at that agency, were on um, making sure people have training making sure that we're always looking at best practices, making sure that we're being lifelong learners. And, you know, it's interesting when you have a process in place like we do with our razor branding process, it means that no matter how the systems change, social media, digital media, websites, the process, it needs to still be tried and true. And so when you do that, your target audience You've got a clear reason why you're the right choice for that target audience, and then you've got clear direction on where that message needs to go, then it's going to be successful every time. And so CAA taught me so much. I mean, I was 22. I was there for the better part of the 90s, and it was just an amazing experience. I went from there to working for Barry Diller, who uh, at the time was buying Ticketmaster and Silver King Broadcasting and um, 
home shopping network. And so I was able to be on the ground floor of the building of one of the largest multimedia companies in the world. So those experiences on the West Coast were the perfect jumping off platform for when I came home to Lafayette. Jackie Russo has been our guest, the co-founder and CEO of Brand Russo, who has partnered with UL Athletics to form the new NIL program called Ultra. We wrote about it last week over at ESPNLafayette.com when it was announced. And for anybody that was curious, I'm sure Jackie just answered a lot of your questions. But um, best of luck with it, Jackie. Um, I know it takes more than luck. It takes hard work, but that's something you're no stranger to. And I appreciate you coming on, sharing the knowledge. Anything else you want to add to our uh, our listeners before we let you run? Well, thank you for the time. If anybody's interested in being a part of our curriculum with their subject matter expertise or feels like there's a good match and they want to be a part of supporting athletes, they can email me, Jackie, at brandrusso.com, and I will be glad to bring you into the program and help make this even more successful. Great stuff. Jackie Russo has been our guest. Up next, we'll talk to Andrew Lopez of ESPN. He's been covering the Pels. Tonight, it's win or stay home. They are hosting the Spurs in the play-in game. We'll talk about the journey of this season and what to expect tonight. Uh, Anthony Babineau, assistant coach from UL Baseball, set to be in studio at 8. Keep it locked in right here. It's the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What up, guys? It's Scott here to remind you that the NBA playoffs equals next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. An amazing deal, and you clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. It's a blast. You can buy multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. And the more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and do this. Use code 1420. That's code 1420 at DraftKings Sportsbook. One more time, guys, listen to my voice. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner Gold Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And joining me now, Andrew Lopez, NBA reporter from ESPN, a graduate of the national champions, Loyola University of New Orleans Wolfpack, and uh, old friend of mine, friend of the program, working hard, playing game is tonight, so much hype around it. Good morning, Andrew. It's been a minute since we had you on, man. How's life? It's uh, it's been good. I am I am happy to be a member. I mean, an alum of the the national champion Loyola Wolfpack. That's I, right. As you mentioned, I was 
remember watching that night. I remember watching it that night. I'll never forget that game. Not because of, oh, I remember where we were when we won a national title type stuff. But that was the night that the tornado hit in, in, uh, in, in the New Orleans. Orleans area. And it was the night that Zion posted the Between the Legs Dunk video. All of those things were happening at the same time. And, like, this weather outside, Zion's dunking. I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening anymore. It was a crazy <laughs> night. But uh, it's been good, man. It's been, uh, I, I'm, you know, we're, we're at this point. We're at game 83. I didn't know if we'd have a game 83 for, for these New Orleans Pelicans the way things started. So uh, the fact that we are here is a uh, kind of a testament to what Willie Green has done. No doubt. And, and I'm not saying anything that hadn't already been said but if you had told anybody that follows this team or roots for this team, hey, they're going to start 1-12, and they're going to start 3-16, and Zion's not going to log a single second of basketball, Brandon Ingram's going to miss, I think, what was it, 27 games or 28 games. Oh, yeah. and you'll be in the play-in game, and everyone's going to be excited, and for the first time in a while, it's going <laughs> to feel like something sustainable that might actually carry over and I guess that's where I'll start, Andrew, because I, I want to ask you about tonight's game in a little bit. In terms of like this moment, you and I have followed this team for the last 19 plus years when the New Orleans Hornets moved there, and you followed them much closer than me, having you know been a beat writer and, and covered this team up close. But as you know, they've had pockets of success in the past, and none of it was really sustainable. We felt like there were moments that might be sustainable, and then it was. Uh, you know, Baron Davis hates it here. Or um, Chris Paul, this is great. Oh, George Shin, they don't want to even get close to a luxury tax. Oh, he doesn't want to own the team. Oh, they win the lottery. They have AD. They don't surround him with anything for a while. And then, when you know, and then he wants to leave. It's like it's these little pockets that come and people get behind it. Like that opens and the season ticket sales were high. Chris Paul was on commercials everywhere. And then it just fizzled, right? Sweet Portland. AD the next year, I want out. Why is this, for, for me and for many in your mind, why does it feel a little different right now than these other pockets of success? Why do you think this one might actually be sustainable? I just think because you look and you see ownership is is stable. Okay, I mean, that was the first thing. You go back to the 0708, 08, teams with, with, with Chris. We're not going to take the tax. We're going to let David, you know, David West walk. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, the team is now owned by the NBA. Like, what? Okay. Well, that took a little bit to recover from. When you recover from that, you get Anthony Davis, and you tried this formula now of trying to thread the needle of being good in this, but you were trading away all your first-round picks, trying to surround him with talent. And the problem then was all of that talent just kept getting hurt. Right? I mean, I mean the, the AD, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Tyreek drew lineups played like less than 500 minutes together in however many seasons. Um, this one, you feel like you have made this jump without one of your big pieces. Oh, by the way, you control the Lakers pick this year. You're going to add a top 10 pick. You have a couple of more picks there. It, it just, it, it feels, you know, you have heard for under contract for three more years, two more years. Brandon's under contract for three more years. CJ McCollum's under contract for two more years. Zion is uh, under contract for two more years, extension eligible this year. Or one more year, I should say, extension eligible this year. Um, so the pieces are there, uh, you know, for right now where it doesn't really matter. So I think that's the point where um, it, it looks just a little bit better 
than maybe it has in the past. But, I mean, those other teams had the actual success. I mean, the run, you know, winning actual playoff series. This team is just getting into a play-in. But I think when you when you just start and look at it from a, hey, we, they were 1-12, they were 3-16, they were 14-32 uh, for the be in this position, knowing that you're going to add Zion to it at some point gives a, another level of optimism for the team. Andrew Lopez, our guest. I think culture is a, use, a word that gets used a lot in sports, and I, I do think it's it's relevant here with this team because the difference, Andrew, is even though, as you said, right, the other teams we mentioned had more actual on-court success, better records in this team. You look at the record, I have people that don't follow the team asking me, why are people excited about it? And I think the culture is is right. You see the thing C.J. McCollum says. You see Brandon Ingram as a leader. But it feels like in the past, there was always this ticking clock of even when they're good, with a star player, it was basically convince me why I should stay. And with this group, and, and I'm not talking about maybe a singular player, but just this group, it feels like they they want to build something. It, it has a different vibe about it. Now, the one caveat I'll add to that is there is some mystery that is, I guess, perpetually, I guess, you know, shrouded around Zion and the, the lines of communication and everything else. I mean, he's extension eligible this summer. Uh, he is sort of the one outlier to this current situation and the fact that everyone's still positive despite that i think is is telling um he seems like he wants to play andrew at the end of the day but it's hard to project his future when the lines of communication are just they 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 appear to to be broken in a lot of ways and i'm not i'm not i'm not suggesting that it's all doom and gloom i'm just saying i don't know you're there you're a little more close to the situation What's your take on Zion today and just kind of moving into the future with the New Orleans Pelicans? Well, I do think if, if it was up to Z that he would be playing right now. Um, it is not up to Zion and Zion alone. This is why you have a medical team. And this is why you have doctors. And this is why he has doctors. Um, you know, sometimes when you I mean, I'm sure you remember decisions you made when you were 20 and 21 years old that you look back on today and be like, ah, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't have did that one. Right. And I think you know there there are people there to protect himself. I mean, his his dad obviously went um, and made those comments about he expects him to play as well. Uh, to, to me, I think it is um, you know they're they're trying to be mindful of the long term, right? I, you know, if, if if you really added him to this team right now at this point in the season, going into a play-in game type situation, does that mess up the chemistry? Does that keep the chemistry? What does that really do to chemistry, right? Um, if you throw him in the, in the Phoenix series, if you win two games, are you, does that mean you can win the Phoenix series? I, I, I don't know, but it's, it's, it just kind of shows you know, they are taking a long-term approach with a guy who has only played in 85 regular season games in three seasons, which not a fantastic number, right, from, from your number one pick. But you, you want to try and maintain that, and I think uh, – you know, in that in that interview, because we have not talked to Zion since since media day, in that interview with um, that Lee gave uh, to Jordy, he, he basically said, "Look, you know, he tried to say all the right things. Oh, we love being here. We want to do this." But he mentioned that Zion wanted to be back because of Willie and because of what the team was building, and you know, it's kind of good vibes all around thing, right? He felt the vibes, and I think that's kind of the key to me 
year is, uh, you know, he, he likes his teammates. You know, he's, he's cheering for those guys on the end of the bench. Um, and, you know, you know, whenever, whenever he is back, whether it is some playoff series down the line or, you know, next year, um, I think it'll, it'll be, they will welcome him back. And I think another reason for the optimism is you have done all this without him. You made the playing game without him. And you have two guys in TJ and Brandon who have been very, very good on the court together. And I think going from there is where, you know, you, you, you start to see why the optimism is kind of high right now. Andrew Lopez of ESPN, our guest at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. If you want to give him a follow on Twitter, if you're not already, you should. Um, tonight's atmosphere, I'm going to go in for the game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's, uh, I, I'm, I'm here in Lafayette, Andrew, but there appears to be, you know, sort of an undeniable buzz about the team right now. What's it, what's it like in New Orleans right now? And what are you anticipating tonight's atmosphere being like? You know, Sunday was a was a was a crazy atmosphere. Considering they were playing for nothing, right? And the only real superstar on the floor was Clay Thompson, right? No Steph, and the buzz around the arena before the game was maybe unlike I had seen all year, except maybe the Lakers game, maybe that Spurs game at the end of March. Um. And so I, I expected to, to have a playoff level, um, a playoff like atmosphere on uh, tonight when we get there. And just because I've seen, I mean, you've seen it. You remember how it was in 08. You remember how it was in 14. It was awesome. Uh, how it was during the playoff. When, like when they when they win, people come out. And and I think, you know, even at 36 and 46, you know, there's still a buzz around them. And I expect a uh, a very busy blender tonight. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Andrew Lopez, our guest. I hope, obviously, I hope they win the more they play this young core, the better it is long term. Um, and, you know, if they lose or if they lose Friday, which if they win tonight, they they probably won't be favored Friday. Uh, and it comes to an end. You feel no, like not. you've yeah, <laughs> you feel like you've built something that is sustainable, and, and hopefully that's what it is because you've had those pockets of success that come and go. feels different now. You mentioned ownership. You mentioned, obviously, Willie Green and the job he's done. And you mentioned draft picks. Andrew, in terms of a draft, as you know, I mean, if you hit on a first-round pick that, that proves to be a key player for a team, you've done well in the NBA. I mean, regardless of where it is in the first round, obviously, if you're like a franchise player that comes along, it's different, but the there's plenty of first-round picks to come and go. Second-round picks usually don't make a team. Drafted free agents, um, you know, it's hard for them just to get out of the G League. This rookie class between Trey Murphy, who it took him a while, but you see as of late what he brings to the table, and, and you see where he can go. Herb Jones logging the most minutes of any player on the team this year is is something nobody would have foreseen. And then Jose Alvarado, I mean, they're, they're selling 15 jerseys and naming drinks after him in the city. One of the great stories, but is, is, is in the rotation. I, I don't know the draft history of every NBA team, but I know the one of the, the team in New Orleans. They've, they've never had one like this. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I get it's not a Chris Paul. I get it's not an AD. I get that. But in terms of like as a whole, I can't remember one ever like this. 
No, not that that's made an immediate impact the way this one has. And, um, you know, Trey is, if he would have made, I think, 10 more threes, he would have qualified for the, the, the being the actual leader in three-point percentage um, amongst the players, uh, amongst the rookies, I should say, this year. Um, Herb Jones, you know, leads all rookies in steals and it is third in the league in total steals. I mean, Herb Jones could, could has a legitimate chance of being second-team all-defense, um, as well as uh, all-rookie. You know, all-rookie. Yeah. Which would be really funny to me is if he ends up um, first-team all-rookie, I mean, uh, second-team all-rookie and second-team all-defense. Like, he's one of the best ten defenders in the league, but not one of the five best rookies. Wouldn't I'm, make I'm, any sense. That, that would be very funny to me. Yeah. But, uh, no, man, all around, I mean, you mentioned Jose. Jose has been a I think rookie leader in assist to turnover ratio, and obviously the sneaky, sneaky steals um, that he that he likes to pull, and he's still trying it. By the way, like he's still trying oh, yeah. to. I love when he goes and hides. Out in the corner. I love when he does it. It, it. it it makes me smile every time. It works. I find it works like when it's a it's fast paced game, and then he's on his side of the floor where the Pelicans bench is because they're all just kind of standing up yeah. sometimes. <laughs> That's like he 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 maps these things out. And I heard him on McCollum's podcast say, you know, I did it in high school, and my coaches were like, "That'll never work in college." And it did in college. They're like, "Come on, don't do this. It'll never work no, in the no, NBA." Yeah. And and here it is. It's working. It's wild. It's crazy because it keeps working because uh, I think what you see is the guys are looking at the play and now people are starting to call it out. There was a couple of times in the Golden State game where he tried it and they called it out. Um, I think my favorite one this year is going to be the Portland one because he does it in front of the Portland bench and then use the ref as a screen and then comes all the way around. That was probably my favorite one. Well, this is that will wrap up the conversation because, you know, teams preparing for it now. Uh, I get the Spurs, it, you know, it's it's not one of their best teams. Greg Popovich has had championships teams. This team was 34 and 48. But what they what they will be is prepared. And if there's yeah. a team that, you know, will be looking for Jose Alvarado, it would be the Spurs. Uh, and, you know, they've beaten the Pelicans three out of four times this year. I know New Orleans didn't have their ideal starting five in any of those games that they'll put out there tonight. But, boy, for playing opponents, you know, this is a tough one. And it, it, you know, Pels just can't beat themselves. That's kind of how I look at this game. I get they're a betting favorite, but Andrew, as we wrap up this conversation, what do, what is your, if you have one, maybe predictions and thoughts on on what unfolds tonight at the Blender? Yeah, I think uh, Pels are favored by about five or six, which I think might be the highest total right now on the board. Maybe maybe Brooklyn was uh, was favored a little bit more over the Nets uh, in, in that game, but. Um, you know they are—they are expected to win, and I think most people are, are picking the Pelicans tonight. I—I I, I, would—I would think that it's a very winnable game. You get Brandon back out there. Uh, they're eight and two since the All Star break with Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum in the starting lineup, uh, which is good and bad. Good, you're eight and two. Uh, bad, there's been 23 games since the All Star break, uh, so Brandon has missed quite a few of those, but. Um, to me, I think it is a you know you're 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 going in the right direction. I I, I like their chances tonight. I do not like their chances um, on Friday uh, if, if we're making predictions all the way through. Sure. Um, but obviously, that can change between now and then. But um, I, I do think uh, I, I like what they can do uh, tonight. And I, I I would think they would win tonight. Yeah. No, I feel and uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Brooklyn, I think was like a nine and a half point favorite against Cleveland last night, and okay. the yeah, other yeah. games are closer, but. 
Yeah, five on most boards for uh, for the Pels. Oh, that's right. no, no, no Jared Allen. That's what, that's what it was. Yeah. They were waiting to take on Jared Allen. Yeah. That's, they, the line jumped after that. That's what it was. Andrew Lopez has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. Read all his stuff over at ESPN. You see him on TV uh, on occasion as well. And, you know, what? the more the Pels play, the more you might see of him. So, um, you know, for anybody that likes seeing Andrew on TV, just hope the Pels just win two games and then get to Phoenix. Why not? <laughs> There we go. Andrew, man, I appreciate it. All the best, brother. Always appreciate you taking the time. All right, man. Thank you. And on that note, we are out of time for the first hour of the Great Scott Show. Appreciate Andrew coming on board. Anthony Babineau in studio next. We'll talk some Cajun baseball. Assistant coach for UL in studio. Number of things to dig into with him. The story of Cooper Rawls as well. All of that and more all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Live. He had the best ticket in sports, The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Braith, and we're right back right after this. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour. Joining me now in studio. We haven't seen him in his nice hairline in a couple of weeks (laughs) in studio. A few weeks ago, it was just Seth Thibodeau and I looking back and Seth mentioned that he gets his hair cut, and I said, really? Where? How? And I said, look, I can say the same thing about myself, which led us to talking about, you know, Coach Babineau's hair, which I'd like to say, you know, mentioning something other than baseball would make Bab uncomfortable, but he's such a pro at this radio thing. He just comes in here and says, I don't know what Scott's going to say, but it's not going to surprise me. No, well, uh, I've learned that from Billy, though. Yeah, really. You're all, you know, you've been on with Billy so many times you know, that you realize anything is possible. Absolutely. So nothing surprises me. No, not at all. Um, I, that that's a good that's a it's a good place to start because we're we're going to kind of circle back and forth as we tend to do when we chat. But nothing surprises you. Um, Cooper Rawls, National Collegiate Player of the Week. He's on mm-hmm. the list this week. The Raging Cajun reliever who. I guess a week ago today at this time, he had pitched two innings all season. Um, the only thing I really knew about Cooper was he was Julie Rawls' younger brother, and he liked to sing country music. Mm-hmm. He played a little guitar. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen him much on the mound. Then he goes in against Louisiana Tech in the Wednesday game, seven and two-third innings, just a slider that, I mean, good luck. It was it was outstanding. Then he, then he you know, gives you guys relief so some fans were surprised because they, they felt like it came out of nowhere. For you guys being there, um, might not have come out of nowhere. So you weren't surprised. What, give us a little backstory on what's changed with Cooper. Well, we weren't surprised, but at the same time, <clears throat> I don't think that we could have expected you know the outing that he gave us that night just because he hasn't. You know, he hadn't been a guy, really, so to speak. He hasn't been one of the guys that that we've been going to. You know, out of the out of the bullpen, 
couple of shaky outings early on, but we've seen that out of him in fall practices and inter-squad games. We know what what could be. It just it hadn't happened yet. Well, I mean, it happened in a happened in a big way on Wednesday night. It really did, just when we needed it too, because he entered the game down six one, and the only way we were going to come back is if somebody out of the bullpen would have stopped them, and that's exactly what he did. And not just stop them, but stopped them right in their tracks. I mean, they had no shot. They really didn't. It was crazy to see and allowed our guys to have that one beginning, which was enough to overtake the, them and win the ball game. He closed it out and another couple of big innings on Sunday to close out that series in Arkansas State. But just very proud for Cooper. He's a he's a great kid. He's worked a lot. He's worked really hard while he hasn't had any Work pitching time. Wait, he right? hasn't had any pitching time, and he's continued to keep a positive attitude and do things the right way. And a lot of times when you do that, it pays off. Was there any – did he make any changes to – the pitch, the arm slot, anything like that, or was it just a matter of working while you wait and opportunity presents itself? No, he did. He he changed his arm slot prior to the season. So his first couple of outings, his arm slot was the same as what it was the other day. It just the stuff wasn't as good. And but Wednesday it was really good, you know. So there was nothing that he changed. The change happened prior to the season because he was more over the top in the fall and was just okay. Really was just okay. And then we moved him down a little bit, and that's when we got a lot more sink and run, obviously, and, and the sweeping slider as opposed to the more the down downward plane slider. So it, it was really good. We liked what it, what it did, and he had some good outings before the season started. Just whenever he got into games when the season started, it didn't, it didn't work out that well. Until the other night, worked is, out real well. Is there a point where you, you know he's three or four innings in, where you're like, is this, he's just going to ride this thing all the way out? You know, like is there a point when somebody is on the mound and they're just such they're in the zone that much that you realize, I, I don't think they're coming out tonight. One hundred percent. That was definitely the case Wednesday. Yeah, definitely the case. You know, as he kept, it seemed like each inning kept getting easier and easier and easier. And that wasn't the case, obviously. He had to work just as hard, sure. if, not, if not harder, the deeper he got into the game. But, you know, that when when a pitcher is doing that to an offense, it's demoralizing for an offense. And, and each guy that goes up, you know, the guy before him didn't have success or possibly hit a ball on the screws and right at someone. And it's like, man, even when I squared up, <laughs> there's nothing. And and you just see it in in an offense, and yeah, absolutely. I know that's what I was thinking. That's what Coach Deggs, Coach Thibodeau, the, the probably every everyone in the dugout was like, he's going to finish this. He really will. So how does 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 that change? I mean, obviously, it changes his role moving forward. He's more involved than we saw him pitch in relief Sunday. But is this is Cooper likely just staying out of the pen on the weekends? Is he maybe a midweek starter? Where where has has his role his role obviously was impacted by what he did a week ago. Um, do you guys know the impact yet, or are you kind of just seeing how things play out? Yeah, I don't think we really know the impact yet because of the fact that he hasn't been a guy, right? He hasn't been a guy that we've used in the sense of knowing, okay, he can handle this role, he can handle this role, he can handle this role, right? I mean, he handled on Wednesday 
a long relief role, obviously. Sunday, he handled a back-end role, Mm -hmm. obviously, for us. But for us to say right now, okay, because he's done this, this last week, this is where we're going to use him now. You know, I think you've seen with a lot of our guys, especially the relievers, we'll use them because we don't, we don't, a lot of our bullpen, like we we match, we do matchups a lot, you know, whether it be righty, lefty, or, or just a feel that this guy is going to have success against against this guy because of the certain stuff that he has. So our, our bullpen guys don't normally rack up a lot of pitches in their outings. So they're able to throw more often. So I think you'll see him. I think you could see him come in in any spot, really. Um, right now, I don't think it's as a starter, but who knows? Down the road, it could be if he continues to show that he can do you know, what he's been doing these last couple of outings. Anthony Babineau, our guest, great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We've got a lot more to get into. Has Cooper ever um, like broken out guitar and played for you guys or sang any songs? Cooper Rawls Band. The Cooper Rawls Band. Yeah, he has, absolutely. Yeah, he can pick it and he can sing. He, he used to have some stuff up on like his Twitter account and he took it down. But I remember the first, I remember when you guys, I guess when he committed, I like went and I was like, oh, look at this. And he was, the confidence was there. And, and I, I circle back because something that, that Coach Deggs told me on Monday about him, he said, all I'll say is the kid believes in himself. Mm-hmm. Now, look, you might say that's dumb. It's music. It's not baseball, whatever. Confidence is confidence. And when you see it in somebody that believes in themselves, regardless of what it is, there's a carryover there. And I think you've got to have that mindset if you're going to be somebody in a sport like baseball where you fail more than you succeed and you end up not maybe playing as much as you thought. I would imagine most players, Bab, when they get to a program, unless they're, you know, uh, a catcher that just does bullpen work, like the, the vast majority of the people on the team know they, they, when they get there, they feel like in their mind, rather, I'm going to play. Like, I'm going to play and I'm going to make an impact. Right. When that doesn't happen for some guys, how they respond to that, I think, tells you a lot about that person and how much they sort of believe in themselves, right? Yeah, it absolutely does because you're correct. Everyone that comes thinks they're going to be the Friday night guy and they're going to be the opening day whatever, uh, position player-wise. And when that doesn't happen, they, they have a decision to make and how to handle it, whether it be to cause a distraction or just kind of take a back seat and wait their turn, continue to work, continue to improve, continue to push, continue to bring something to the team to help them win, even though it may not be on the field or on the mound or at the plate. There's there's so many other ways that you can help a team, and they've got to make that decision. And ultimately... If they never get the playing time, then they've got to decide, okay, what's, you know, we're at a crossroads here. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? And how am I going to handle this? But usually the ones that handle it right and continue to work, if they're good enough, if they're talented enough, they eventually find their way into the lineup in some aspect. Maybe not the everyday guy, but a, but a big contributor, whether it be a guy coming off the bench or, or something like that. So it's... um. And and each each player handles it differently. You know, I've seen it handled pretty much every single way you can throughout the years, from the very very good to the very very bad. And a lot of that is is how you were brought up and and what you were exposed to, 
coming up into the game, personality types. Yes, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Anthony Babineau, I guess, when you played, what was your experience as a player when you got to campus and day one versus your last game in in a Cajun uniform as a player? Well, I remember day one for me, I was just, you know, I came in my freshman year was 1991, which prior to us getting to the College World Series in 2000, in my opinion, was one of the best, if not the best teams that ever played here. Guys like Damian Grossi and Ken Myers, Tommy Bates, uh, Papo Ramos, mm-hmm. um, Robert Turk, Joe, uh, Joe, I think Joe Burnett was, was the year before that. Pete Guajardo, Michael Watts, Chris Benhart, Gary Hart. I mean, just some serious players. Guys, that, a lot of guys that played professional baseball. That was a team that was qualified for the regional in, in Baton Rouge, played LSU in the in the finals of that regional. I think they were one game away from the College World Series. You know, at that time, that was the closest a USL team had ever been. So that was my first year in the program, and, and I was fortunate – I knew I was confident in what I could do, but I was also realistic. You know, I'm not, I'm not a dummy. I was smart enough to see that, hey, I'm, I'm not Damian Grossi. I'm not Tommy Bates. I'm not Perry Berry. I'm not Jason Shiree. I'm not, you know, so I was able to learn a lot from those guys. So for me, it was I didn't get frustrated because I didn't crack the starting lineup. I knew I was not going to crack the starting day lineup one, right, yeah. day one or day last, probably that first year. So it really wasn't an issue for me. I was I was there. I knew that I was there to provide help, to help in practice, to help push these guys. Not that I thought that any of these guys said, oh, hey, there's little Bab over there. I better, <laughs> I better tighten up or he may take my position. But at the very least, I mean, they had to, they had to work a little bit, right? You know, because there was, there were other players. And look, I was, I was a wall. I wasn't a, a recruited player, right. I, I was I was kept as a walk on, so I was really, for all intents and purposes, no threat to anyone. But I used that first year to learn from all those guys, to grow in the college game. To I mean, I was exposed to a whole lot in the game that I wasn't exposed to in high school, and and I had some good experiences in high school with you were like a sponge, the, basically. Basically, like, let me go in here and just soak up as much of this as right, I can. learn as much as I can, so that when the day finally comes that I do get opportunities, I'll be prepared for them. And now as a coach, I'm sure you might not share the exact story, but the lessons learned from that year, I'm sure you you use when you're working with some of the young guys or players on the team that aren't playing right out the gate. Yeah, there's been plenty of times where I've used my own experiences to speak to a player individually or as a group, as the, the team as a whole. Yeah. Anthony Babineau, I guess, do you know what the number one song in the U.S. was when you started playing baseball at USL your freshman year. The great song, by the way. I still love this song today. Great what, song. What sort of, what genre? What? Let's say that if you went to Colors in college, they were oh, playing this on the man. dance floor. This was played at the plaza. This was played everywhere. Everybody was dancing to this song. Spring Love? Dancing. No, what, it wasn't it wasn't what Stevie, Stevie B. B? No. Everybody, everybody was dancing now to this song. Oh, you! <laughs> <laughs> that 
That was number one in Number 91? one in February of 1991. This is a classic. You look like you don't like this, man. What's the deal? You don't see my head bobbing. All right, all right, cool. No, I didn't know if you were looking at me like, turn this off. Are right? we going to break so I can get out of the chair? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, plenty more with uh, assistant Rage Cajun baseball coach Anthony Babineau. A um, uh, couple of rainouts, canceled games. We'll talk about that. The matchup with ULM, Hayden Dirk, Chipper Menard, and more. Don't go anywhere. If you're in your car, don't you know? Don't take your hands off the steering wheel, but you can dance. If you're not in your car, maybe you're listening to this on demand via the podcast later in the day. Just turn it up. Just dance. Come on. Here is the goal. Back with the face. Pajamas live in effect, and I don't waste time. On the mic with a dope rhyme. Jump to the rhythm. Jump, jump to the rhythm. Jump. And I'm here to combine beats and lyrics to make you shake your pants. Take a chance. Come on and dance, guys. Grab a girl, don't wait, make a swirl. It's your world, and I'm just a squirrel. Trying to get a nut to move your butt to the dance floor. So, yo, what's up? Hands in the air. Come on, say yeah. Everybody over here, everybody over there. The crowd is live, and I will do this. Party people in the house, move. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather, Anthony Babineau, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Coach Bab in studio with me this morning, and um, you guys didn't play last night. You were scheduled to uh, host McNeese. Obviously, heavy rain, it came. You guys made the call early. Um, when a game, as this is a specific question for you, as you're the one that schedules them, when a game gets canceled as opposed to rescheduled, it's it's not just a simple, yeah, we don't feel like doing it. Obviously, there's a backstory. There's a lot that goes into it. What's the process like when you have to call a game due to weather? And how is, I guess, at what point you are in the season, impact? those decisions a lot well the process in a case like yesterday morning or, or any morning when we get to work when when we're hosting the game and that you take a look at the forecast and what's predicted and what the professionals are are telling you in their opinion is going to happen right we don't just look at the radar we we call people and from both locally and, and the national weather service and try to get just their best guess really not a guess they're looking at at computer models and what they think is going to happen right before game time right at game time throughout the the two to three hours that it'll take to play the game 
and then you just try to make a determination on, on if you think you'll be able to get it in or not. And you have to look at things like not just rain, but lightning, because anytime we are in a lightning delay, it's a 30 minute delay. Guys come off the field. You have pitchers to worry about. How many times are you going to have to do that? And then you have courtesy that you like to provide to the other team as well, because once you reach a certain point in the day and the bus that they are using, just like when we go somewhere, once that bus leaves the yard that it's held in to go pick the team up, you're charged for the bus, whether or not they use it and come into town or not. So you try to be as you try to keep that in mind when you're making these decisions. And then you also have your own team to keep in mind and try to make interests that, uh, I'm sorry, decisions that are in their best interest. Coming off of a, a six-day road trip, you know, do we get them up here and when we know that they have tons of schoolwork to do as we're getting near the end of the semester or closer to the end of the semester, get them up here for, because it's not just the three hours that the game is played that our guys are here four hours before that, starting with the pregame. The pregame meal is four hours before game time. And then we have meetings, then we have batting practice, and then we get into the game. So it's not just like, hey, go do some schoolwork and then come up here at 5.30, get into uniform and, and let's go play. You know, it's be here, like go to school in the morning and then come here, do all the prep work. So do we get them up here just sitting around in this weather, which we knew was coming, where they could be more productive doing other things. So, and sometimes you just have to make a call using your gut and you just have to go go with it and Usually, last night wasn't the case. What happened was what we thought would happen. Usually, when you do something like that, if you bang the game early, the sun's out at 6 o'clock. If you don't bang it and let them come, you sit around all night mm-hmm. watching the rain and the lightning. You've, you've been on the wrong end of it a lot of times. A- exactly. I mean, so, softball last night, they went to Hammond, and then, oh, can't play. Right. That's a... That's a... Right. So, you know, we made the... Fortunately, we made the right call because the rain did come, the thunder and lightning, and, and we couldn't have played. But that's kind of how that goes. And what was the second part of the I guess, question? I, I know there was another one yeah, I wanted no, to address. Like, like cancel versus oh, oh, yes. Depending on the time. You know, we're getting to the part of the season where if we get a rain out, there's no opportunities for makeup mm-hmm. because there's only four weeks. I believe there's four weeks, maybe five weeks left of the season. So... There's other games that are scheduled midweek, which doesn't allow us to make up these games. We have one week of the finals week where we can't play. Can't play any games during that finals. Between Georgia State and App State? No. Uh, The week after that. Okay. Pretty certain. Okay. Starts with May 2nd or 3rd through the 5th. That's finals week. So we can't play any games. Yeah, that's, that's the week between those two series, I think. May 2nd through the 5th. Right, that's yeah. be, that's between Georgia State and App between State. Between App State and UT Arlington, excuse that's, me. Okay. My bad, that's right. I got it wrong, yeah. So we can't play in that week. The week after that, we have a midweek series at Rice, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we can't play that week. The next week is the final week of the season. We play Nichols here on Tuesday, and then Thursday right. starts the final weekend. So you can't play that week. So our opportunities are, are really limited. Not Well, not limited. I'll rephrase that. There are no opportunities. And, 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 so that's why you see a canceled versus... Right. Postponed. No, that makes sense. And 
the other school too, right? Someone might look at the schedule and be like, oh, what about this week? Well, go check. Well, it's got to match up, right? It has to match up with the opponent. Um, is it when it's a home game? Is there a part of it that just hurts a little extra, knowing like, dang it, we didn't get it? Well, you, I mean, you always obviously love to play at home and and want to have opportunities for your fans. You never, you, you always hate to take away an opportunity for your home fans who pay good money to come see these games and come watch us play to to not be able to come to a game. But again, it's just it, I think everybody understands. I mean, there's just certain things that are out of our control and. The, the weather is out of our control. No doubt. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Anthony Babineau, our guest, Rage Occasion assistant baseball coach. Um, Chipper Menard was the scheduled starter for yesterday. That surprised me a little bit uh, just based on what he's done this season. What is his role going forward? Is it midweek starter? Is it back potentially late in the game? Um, I, I guess I'll ask you about both guys, Chip Bernard and Hayden Dirk. I think I, I asked you that because I think some people thought they would see his name as the projected guy. Uh, what, what's, what's the role for those two guys right now? Well, I think that just proves to you that, like I mentioned earlier about Cooper, not knowing exactly what he's going to do yet because he kind of just came on. I think that shows that you'll see our guys in, in any number of roles. Could be the front of the game, middle, could be at the end. You know, Chipper was a guy that we wanted to get back out there after this weekend. So, you know, he started for us. He's thrown out of the bullpen. Felt that he's a good matchup uh, against the team that we were scheduled to compete against last night. So that's why you saw him. But Hayden's going to be back out there real soon. He, he's done really well for us his last few outings. So you just, you can, we feel that our pin, you can, we can mix and match and, and they can throw in several roles. We don't have a set. I think it's obvious. We don't have, sure. with the exception of the guys that have been thrown on the weekends, they've been throwing the ball really consistent. There's not a set closer, long relief guy. You know, there's no set roles really in the staff. They can do a multitude of things. You mentioned the weekend. Um, the guys that have stabilized their rotation are all fifth-year seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think they're all they've all shown that they've they've earned those spots, but I don't know that you look at any of those guys and say if you were a scout, be like, oh, that's the best stuff on the team. I mean, that's just heat. You can't teach that. Um, how much of that is just age and maturity in those guys? Right, the wisdom of being there for a while. I think that's the that's the most of. That's it. all of it. That's all of it. Because you're right. I mean. Neither one of those three guys has the best stuff on the team. But you mentioned their fifth-year sen- seniors. They've been around the block. So many more experiences to draw back off of than some other guys. They've had to handle pressure. They've had to handle some failures. They've had to prepare f- prepare in different ways for for their outings, and they've They've had to be organized with their baseball and with their life. They just, they're veterans. They really are. They're, there's not too many things that nerve them. Neither one of them, from Jeff to Jacob to Brandon. And they just they just give us age and wisdom and, and, and what you really, it's kind of like at the big league level. I mean, yes, you can, you can have young rookies, you know, that, that have great years and, and you're excited about them and, you, and you're confident when they're on the mound because of the stuff they have, right? But there's no, I know when I'm watching a big league game, 
and there's one of the older guys who still has good stuff, like our guy. You know, our guys are older guys who have good stuff. When you're watching an older guy who still has good stuff, whether it be Scherzer or, I mean, Verlander, oh, those guys, you know what I'm saying, that, that, that you know that are smart and know how to maneuver the ins and outs of the games, and you feel pretty confident when you're watching that, that game or watching that pitcher throw, and that's what you get with these guys. I know Jeff's outing on Sunday, not as good as what we had, had normally seen. I think there were a couple of things working against him. There was a probably 20-mile-an-hour wind blowing in, which kind of pushed his ball to the plate a little quicker than probably he would like or we would like because Jeff is a guy that relies on on stuff, you know, his movement, his run on his fastball, the sink on his fastball, change up. So when the wind's behind you like that, it, it doesn't move the way you want it to do. It flattens it out a little bit. So I think he had that working against him. And Jeff's a guy that's that's a lot better against teams with really good bat speed. Guys with slower bats, not quite as good a hitters, can be a little better against Jeff because it's not, you know, 90-plus. It's just some sink, and if it doesn't sink, it's right there over the plate for, for their bat speed to catch up with it. But guys that have really good bat speed and aggressive hitters, he'll he can tie into knots because of, of their aggressiveness and their approach. The wind was pretty crazy on Sunday. Jay didn't even bother with the field mic. He just had to, because you couldn't hear him. Right. Just cut that off. Because you've been a part of a lot of games from a wind standpoint. Where does that one rank in terms of just crazy weather? Well, I've been involved in a lot of games that have had a lot of wind. And, and you know in Jonesboro going in that it's going to be like that. Generally, generally it's blowing straight in. Mm-hmm. We had a situation where the first two days it was blowing out because of it was with it being a north wind. Their field faces the same way that ours does. You know, the, when the wind blows out, it's a north wind, and, and it was cold. It was really cold Friday, Friday night, really cold. Saturday night, not quite as cold, but, but still chilling, and Sunday was a, just a really nice day besides the 20-mile-an-hour besides 20, wind. wind gust blowing straight in your face. What's the, like, craziest conditions you've been a part of in a game well i remember one year we went to bowling green kentucky when western kentucky was in the league and we pull up and and there's snow on the field so we played in snow we played in sleet here at at the teague one one year i remember on a sunday i think might have been against western kentucky as well it was it was sleeting here you know the conditions in round rock this this spring we're absolutely brutal. That was some of the worst that I've ever yeah. been involved in. So there's been a number I can remember. I can remember at Texas. This was this was Coach Robichaux's first year, 1995. We opened up at Texas. I remember that being brutally cold, brutally cold. So there's there's been quite a few. ESPN Lafayette yeah, best ticket in sports. Uh, you mentioned Round Rock. There's, you know, a number of guys on the UL baseball team from the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Marshak, um, from Amarillo, transferred from Texas Tech. His dad went to Tech. I think one of his brothers played maybe football there. Like he's, <clears throat> there's legacy from there. What what led to his transfer to UL? 
he was just looking for a new opportunity. Things didn't work out for him there at Tech, and just looking for a, for a fresh start. And we, we're very glad that that he did, and that we got him. He's such a dynamic player. Has been really good for us up at the top of the lineup. I think you can kind of see our our season. Our, our team got a little more consistent when he came back into the lineup from that injury. We've been playing pretty consistent baseball since he's been back in there because it just allows other guys to do what they are best at and not to try and overcome his absence. He's if you know what I mean. A gre- like in terms of what you guys want to do from an aggressive standpoint on offense, he feels like he's tailor-made for Well, he it. fits the bill to a T. He yeah. really does. He's just... Um, Seems like a feisty guy too. He can, he can. He'll scrap. He'll scrap. He'll for scrap. Sure. Uh, no doubt. You know when 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 you guys were missing him, it was. I think it's. I, I I like how you put it. Right. Oftentimes, and I'm guilty of it at times. You just look at what what you're missing when someone's gone. But how it impacts? Not okay. Well, now your batting average is this, or now your fielding percentage is this, or whatever. It is. How do the other guys play by trying to make up for maybe what's missing there? And how does it impact the other parts of their game? Um, he's just, he's a dynamic player. And, um, you know, you brought up Round Rock and I started thinking about Texas. And I was like, I remember reading about how he was, you know, a lot, a lot of history at Texas Tech, but what led him to UL? But from a fit standpoint, I mean, it, it fits like a glove. Yeah, it really does. It fits our style of play. From the tone that he sets at the top of the lineup to the type of teammate he is, he holds other guys accountable. He's not afraid to stand somebody up and tell them what they need to be, need to hear. It doesn't matter who it is, right? Uh, on the team, I'm, I'm referring to. So, and you got to have those guys on the team. You, you really do. You have to have someone that's not afraid to tell a good friend, a teammate, "Hey, man, let's go. This is not how we do it." It's time to tell them what they need to hear. Maybe not what they always want to hear. No doubt. That's absolutely it. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. The fielding for Louisiana, where it was at the beginning of the season, where it is now, where it is when you look at conference play, how they're doing defensively. Um, been a lot of growth there. We're going to dig into that next. All of that and more coming up. That is Anthony Babineau, who in his first year with the Raging Cajuns as a player. If you're tuning in late, we learned that the number one song in America was going to make you sweat. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. That's so legit. It smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Take a breath and go 
for yours on my command. Now hit the dance floor. It's gonna make you sweat till you bleed. Is that dope enough? Indeed. I paid the price to control the dice. I'm more precise. To the point I'm nice. The music takes control. Your heart is so unfold. Your body is free and the whole. Dance so you can't dance so you can't dance no more. Get on the floor and get raw. Dips come back and upside down. Easy now. Let me see you move. If they had had walk-up music back in the day, this might have been one of Babs. Probably uh, not, but... No, mine would have probably... Not probably. Mine would have contained a little little Stevie B. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The legend. Had mm-hmm. number one... Again, mm-hmm. gentlemen with number one hits. Mm-hmm. I like number one. I saw him at Route 92 years ago. It was... <laughs> it was awesome. And then, of course, he did Patty in the Park one year, and it was it was awesome. I was working that one. When he went to Route 92, I went, and he was promoting a book, and he came out, and you know, he did his thing, and he was doing some songs, and he's like, yeah, uh, Journey of the Perfect Man, book we're selling in the back. I'm like, Journey of the, like, did he find Jesus? What? He's like, it's a book about me, my own autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, when you're not making music anymore, hey. you, gotta, you gotta do something, hey. right? Hey, and uh, I remember, like, we, like, took a picture with him after. I'm like, ah, I had a few drinks. I'm like, I gotta buy it. My wife's like, Scott, you don't need to spend money on that book. I'm like, I, I, I want it, though. She's like, no, you, come on. You you, pro- you took a picture with him. You probably towered over him. He's a little bitty dude. He uh, he was, I think he was on his, his tiptoes. Um, yeah, he was, I mean, now you're talking about me. I mean, he's about my height, Babs. <laughs> Uh, I think he's a little shorter than you. I've, he was, I've seen him a couple times uh, myself. He's, he was, it was good. It was good. I didn't buy the book. I was like, you know what? Maybe <clears> when I like have my wits about me, maybe I'll. And I went on. You couldn't buy it online. I mean, he's just he's no. just traveling around with him in a right. box, you know? right? He, uh, <laughs> you have to get it live. It was, it was fun, man. Stevie B. I mean, those are some classics there. Mm-hmm. I heard Jay told me that there was a an Arkansas State player that was that was. Using "Smooth Operator" by Sade as the walk-up music. Yes, that's I, I. No need to ask. I respect that. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Jay was like, "What?" I'm like, "That's first of all, there's not a bad song in her whole catalog, but to use that specific song as a walk-up song in 2022, I, I respect it. Throwback. I like it. I like it. Um, I've seen her in concert as well. It wasn't at Route 92, though. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, it was. It was. It was at the Smoothie Route King 92. Center. It yeah, was a little yeah, bit, a yeah. little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Um, uh, the fielding. I want to talk about the defense. I think you guys, from a fielding standpoint, tops in conference play right now. Um, from the start of the season and now, where where have you guys seen the most most growth there, and, and what's been the key to it? Well, I, I feel even at the beginning of the season, I felt like we played we played okay defense, you know, but we kind of made, we made it a point. We made it a talking point a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago about we we need to, we need to stop being so generous. We need to stop giving teams things from the base on balls to the hit by pitches to the errors at, at some of the most inopportune time we just need to stop that. If if we can stop being so generous and make people earn everything they get, I think we can probably be pretty successful here. And that has come to pass. It really has. Our defense lately really has been locked down. I mean, 
really, you know, and I'll, I'll knock on wood that, that, that something terrible or, or crazy doesn't start happening. But, but guys, have, you know, we work really hard on defense. Coach Wells, Coach Thibodeau both do a tremendous job in working with our guys and, and making sure that in our practices – the few that we have, the few that we are able to have during this season, once the season starts, that it's not just, hey, let's go hit. We've got to do some defensive work also. We've got to stay sharp in our ground balls. And that's something that guys get, you know, ground balls, those are kind of, you, you need you need one person, right, to, to hit you ground balls. So you can go grab anybody. Hey, can you come hit me balls? So that's easy to do. So guys are able to do that before practice. You can stay after. It's not like BP where you need a thrower. You need all kind of equipment. You need shaggers and everything. It's, you know, it's tougher to just to grab one person and say, hey, let's go hit. Then one person and say, hey, can you come hit me some ground balls? Right? So, so guys are able to get a lot of that work in before practice. You see guys stay after practice to get extra reps in. But even things from our first and third defensive plays, our bunt defenses, we make sure that we incorporate that a lot in practices so that when it shows up in the game, it's not a, oh, what do we do here? What do we do now? We haven't done this in a while. You know, we do that often so that it stays fresh and we stay sharp at it. It, um, it. You mentioned the word generosity. That's been the word that's been used there. It feels like when the fielding is there and it has been and the hitting's there, if the pitching has a day where they're not giving up free bases, the Cajuns nine times out of ten are going to win the game. I mean that 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 at this point, when that happens consistently, this team—I don't know—I mean, is it fair to say the sky's the limit? Is that you don't give up free stuff, then your talent is out there getting it done? Right. We feel that we have plenty enough talent to, if we are stingy on the defensive side of the ball that we're going to have a great shot to win. We, we feel that especially with the way we can run and, and we call it using our legs, obviously mm-hmm. when we're able to, to use our legs, we can be very, very dangerous. I mean, on Sunday, this point was made up to the made to the team by coach Deggs afterwards on Sunday, when in the top of the 10th, when Jonathan Brandon went first to third in the left fielder's face oh, yeah. and slid in hard and the third baseman couldn't – I mean, the game was over. It was over. I mean, he, he literally hit second base with the left fielder about to feel the ball and just laughed at him and said, watch this. And made it by a good bit. It wasn't like it was like, oh, he just got there. It was right. like, no, he slid right. ahead he, first he and did. got up. and He did. So so we have the ability to kind of spin the game like that a little bit because of our speed, because of our legs. And then we've got strength also to put the ball in the gap, put it over the wall. And, you know, it's true of all teams. If you don't give up, if you make, it's a lot harder to win a game if you have to earn everything you get than if you are given things, right? If, if you have to get 10 hits to score four or five runs, that's hard to do. If you get, get 10 hits to score eight, nine, 10 runs, not quite as tough. Yeah. Because every time you get a hit, you're driving in a run because there's a free base runner on. 
You know, I, I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on here. I'm, I, I've been saying it my whole career. A wa- as soon as somebody walks, they should just let them go to the dugout, put a run on the board. We'd, we'd save a whole lot of time because that guy always scores, right? Always scores nine times out of ten. Guy walks, or if you hit a guy, just let him go to the dugout, put a run up on the board, and let's just keep playing because that guy's going to score. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Uh, ULM coming in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It is uh, the Easter weekend, and so no games on Sunday, something that uh, Roe pushed for for years and uh, was able to pass a number of years ago. Uh, and it's it was long overdue when it happened. It's it's great that it did happen. And so 6 o'clock Thursday, 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, pregame 30 minutes prior on News Talk 96.5 KPAL, powered by Learfield, Jay Walker, and Brad Topham have the call as uh, the Cajuns look to continue their four-game winning streak. And then um, Tuesday, April 19th, you guys are uh, in Baton Rouge against LSU for the Wally Pontiff Classic. Um, what, in terms of like playing it at the old Zephyr Field, I don't even know what it's called now, as opposed to Baton Rouge, is there any backstory to that or was it just a... Yeah, you know, Wally Sr. called me in the fall and said that, Bab, this is going to be the last, this is the last Wally Pontiff Classic game that they're having. He said this year is going to be our last one. And he said because it's the last one, we want to do it at at Alex Box Stadium. And because it's the last one, we want you guys to be involved. Uh, We've had a great success with you guys in the game and really wanted us to be involved in the last one, which, you know, I was glad that that he – Number one that he that Wally thinks of us that way, and and we're really glad that he asked us to be in the game and to be part of of the last one because it's obviously a, a game that has meant a lot to a lot of people, um, especially the Pontiff family. Um, it's a foundation that does tremendous work. So for us to be a part of it, to, for us to be able to assist in those efforts, uh, it's really been a good relationship between us, between Wally, between LSU. So just that's the story of how that came to be about in in Baton Rouge as opposed to in Metairie. There it is. Anthony Babineau has been our guest. We'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Happy Easter. Same to you. You and the kiddos and uh, everybody. And uh, everybody listening, at some point today, just dance. It'll make you feel better. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. Thank you. That is Anthony Babineau. Coming up next, the Dan Patrick Show. Reminder tonight, catch the Pelicans playing game against the Spurs right here on ESPN Lafayette. If you need to hear the radio call, we've got it for you. I um, will be there. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Dan Patrick's next. ESPN Lafayette.